Hello, welcome to Strange Love of Movies. My name is Livia Martinez, and we are with the most specialist of guests ever, Mr. Tyler Heaton. And guys, you know the music that plays before every Strange Love episode? He made it for us. Woo! I'm blushing. Or is it composed? Uh, either one. Well, today we're going to be talking about Minari, and we actually got to see this one in theaters, which is really exciting, and it's only the second movie we've ever seen in a movie theater together. <laughs> After dating for eight months. Yeah, that's kind of weird. <laughs> but, you know, it's the time of COVID, you gotta be safe, and it was a safe experience, right? I'd say so. We were like one of four people in the theaters. <laughs> yeah, literally. So this is kind of a weird movie, because before I saw it, I knew it had a lot of awards buzz, and it had a great Rotten Tomatoes score, even though I know that means nothing. <laughs> it's still I'm an idiot so I like looking at that and uh you're not okay well and Minari you just it's about an American family or it's about a Korean family Korean American Korean American there family you thank you and that's really it like there it's hard to summarize it and that's okay I don't think we need to spoil anything in this podcast yeah it's really interesting because it's sort of like a oft-told tale about like a family, you know, trying to live off of the land. Mm -hmm. But it's really interesting because it's like the American dream or attaining the American dream, but from the perspective of a Korean-American family. Yes. So it kind of adds a really interesting dimension to like a really familiar story. And that's a really good point because, yeah, the American dream for them isn't being a Hollywood movie star or gaining, you know... I mean, of course, they're trying to get money because they are to eat well yeah and like live <laughs> but they're not trying to be you know the next bill gates or whatever so yeah that's a good point yeah it's like kind of at its purest form yeah so. and it's a very contained film so honestly i haven't seen many korean films parasite may be the only other one i've seen yeah me too actually awkward but <laughs> korea is known for producing a lot of great films and that's why it was so exciting that bong joon ho got recognition last year at the academy awards just because korean cinema has been well regarded for so long kind of in the indie scene and the thing about this movie though is it's not a korean film and that is kind of an issue and a controversy and very confusing for Academy people because in the Golden Globes, I think, it was considered a foreign film, even though it takes place all in America. Yeah, it's it was, A24 too. Yeah, yeah, and Plan B Entertainment. Shout out, Brad. <laughs> but yeah, I would say it's, what, 55% in English? Eh, I feel it, like less than that. Really? You think? Well, actually, I don't know. It doesn't matter, though, because this is an American movie, so I don't think... Well, I think it's a, it's a binational film because it's immigrants living in America. Yes, like, exactly. That's the whole point of And it. I think that the whole foreign category needs to go away anyway because yeah. it's not like in the at the British Awards or whatever, America's considered a foreign place. I mean, I yeah. guess England's not considered... Whatever, it doesn't matter. This is an American movie about the American dream, but it stars Koreans, and they give some amazing performances. Really good. I really, I'm a big fan of naturalistic acting, and all of the performances were so incredibly believable. Mm -hmm. I mean, everybody from Steven Yuen, the lead guy, to his wife, Han Yevri, and the grandmother was amazing. Oh, we'll talk about her more in a minute. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And uh, Liv's favorite, Alan S. Kim. We're going to adopt him, guys. He's so cute. He's so cute. And then the sister, too, Noelle Cho. She She's did really, really cute, good. too. Yeah. Actually, one of my favorite performances was Will Patton, who played a. Pentecostal farmer that lived like really out in the middle of nowhere was very isolated like the crazy old Pentecostal guy and growing up around some Pentecostal people like his performance was so spot on like it was it was perfect like especially th thinking about it after I saw the movie like 
who's really good. And you made the good point. Like, they could have taken that and just made fun of him and all that stuff, but they didn't. This yeah, movie exactly. handled it really well, which is very respectable. Yeah, like, sometimes he was a little bit of comedic relief, but it wasn't in, like, a mocking way. It was just because <laughs> he was a little bit out there. But then, interestingly... You know, he prophesies a couple different times as Pentecostals are apt to do. And actually, one of the prophecies that he makes ends up coming true, which I thought was an interesting touch from the writers. You know, like he he knew that they were having um, marital troubles without having known. So I thought it was interesting that they actually sort of validated uh, his beliefs. Yeah, that's kind of the main conflict in this movie, I'd say. The couple, the parents, they're having some issues, and it's understandable. It's hard to take sides, really, because yeah. both of them are quite stubborn, but both of them make a lot of sense. Yeah. Did you Were you taking sides at all? I think this is the best kind of movie when you care about both the wife and husband and really want to see both of them succeed and be happy. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I... Because, I mean, both had good points, but both were kind of flawed. I know. Like, so it was really real. I mean, that's probably the best thing about this movie was how convincing it was. Like, yeah, it was like a documentary. Or yeah. Something. Because it's honestly such a, when you just read about it, a boring plot. <laughs> yeah. Hate to say it. Yeah. <laughs> Hate to say it. True. But then when you watch it, you're like, this is amazing. Who yeah. could have thought of this? I mean, it's like quite literally flawless. Like, I don't think there's anything that I would change about it. Yeah, but that doesn't mean it's our favorite movie yeah, on Earth. Yeah, no. Like, I, I'll probably want to watch it again and like, a month or two but like after i saw it, i wasn't like oh my gosh i gotta watch it again mm -mm. but still like there was you know even in really good movies there's one sometimes just one like you know a couple lines or just like one little thing and i'm like yeah that was a little like the, it was literally there was no flaws in it no i agree and should we talk about the grandma a little bit yeah should we should queen literally oh my gosh this character arc is insane yeah. the acting is insane we're not going to spoil what happens at the end but she just becomes someone else. So convincing. So I mean, convincing. She's two different characters. Basically. And it's so fascinating how she's just such a carefree grandma also. Yeah. Like she's funny. so much fun and just like letting loose. Yeah. And the little boy, our son, he um, keeps saying like... You're not a real grandma. Yeah, you're not a real grandma. Because I'm sure he's been influenced by TV and the media yeah, and exactly. all that. And he thinks of an old grandma baking cookies and all yeah, that. Yeah, th that's one of the main conflicts actually. It's like you know, the kids are becoming Americanized and it, and the grandma moves in with them a little bit into the film. And so she's from Korea and still very much Korean. And the parents are mostly Korean, but have adopted some American customs. There's actually a scene where the lead, he eats with chopsticks some things, but he has a fork on his plate and he switches between them. So they've adopted a lot of American customs. It's interesting how that conflict is expressed through the different characters. Yeah, and something I actually expected, which would have been very stereotypical and stuff, is that dad having a lot of issues with his mother-in-law. But that really wasn't explored that much, no. which I liked. There's a tiny, a couple little subtle things, of but course. I appreciated I mean, it. Yeah, I'm sure she got on his nerves. Yeah. She got on everyone's nerve. But he had so much respect for her yeah. and he wanted his kids to also have respect respect for her because she's an elder yeah yeah that's cool <laughs> so we've already mentioned this a few times i think but alan s kim who plays david <laughs> ah, he's just so cute i want to squeeze his little cheeks oh and my he's gosh. so good too he's such a good little actor like i mean he, his performance was just as good as any of the other family members like which is crazy He's like a tiny kid. He's literally like seven years old, I think. Yeah. And he just does so well. I don't know how they find these people. Yeah, I It's don't know. crazy. 
I know that Steven Yen is very famous because he was in The Walking Dead, which is kind of like the biggest show ever. <laughs> I've never seen it. Have you? No, but you know, my friends like it. Oh, really? Oh, uh, like Benji and oh. uh, who else? Jonathan. Yes. Like zombies. I don't know. But he was also in a movie called Burning, which came out in 2018, which we should see because I've heard it's super good and like naturalistic and all that. Mm. It's a Korean film. So he's pretty well known in America, but none of the other actors are. And I think they will be after this. Yeah, I think so. And even I was going to talk about even the American, like the extras or not necessarily extras, but people that are only in one or two scenes like that play rural Kansas natives. Like Arkansas, the, baby. Oh, is it Arkansas? Oh. Arkansas. Arkansas. <laughs> That's what you were thinking of. Oh, maybe so. <laughs> but like the kids like remember the kid little kid that he was a sleepover yeah week? and his dad was so convinced like they were all so good like even the tiny parts like yeah. they were amazing it was just seamless yeah. and should we talk about the score yeah Mr. Music man the score was so good i loved it like, so much it was gorgeous it was emil mosari who did uh last black man in san francisco right but it was so pretty very uh i'd say it was ethereal but not too far-fetched for what the film is about um and they didn't overuse it that's a really big i really dislike when they overuse scores aka george clooney movie okay just that one the midnight sky one don't recommend do not watch it but if you want to watch a george clooney movie you should watch good night and good luck i've I've seen that movie like 15 times and it doesn't even have a score no it doesn't but yeah the score like was used at the perfect moments and like it was it made them transcendent. Oh, yeah. It made me cry. Well, actually, no. Well, yeah, it did. Yeah. And then listening to it later made me cry, too, because I love it so much. It's so I love movie good. scores. I was worried because you're Mr. Music Man that yeah. you weren't going to like this score. Oh, it's so good. I'm glad that yeah. we both like it. Big fan. The cinematography was also really good. I'm, I'm a sucker for cinematography. If there's not good cinematography, then I probably... I'll maybe I'll like the movie, but I won't love it. And How many times did you say cinematography in that sentence? Quite a few. <laughs> but... It was really good. I mean, not overly stylized, I wouldn't say. Like, it was believable, but still very pretty. Yeah, and doesn't this movie take place in the 80s? It does, yes. <laughs> the first, like, 10 minutes, I was like, ooh, they're trendy dressers. <laughs> and then I realized, oh, it's in the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm a big emotional sister when it comes to films. And this movie, I was watching it, and for a while I was like, ah, this isn't going to make me cry. (laughs) Why would it make me cry? There's nothing sad about it. Like, I care about these people a lot. But then you start following them more and more, and then I I kind of cried at the end. Yeah, I Uh, did too. Almost. not the very end. No, yeah. Like, five or ten minutes before the end. But not necessarily because it was sad. It was very touching. It was so touching. And the score was used so beautifully. It it was. And I love David. He's so cute. (laughs) Oh my gosh. But yeah, I appreciated that didn't beat you over the head with like sentimentality or emotion or anything like that. So since we actually got the opportunity to see this movie in theaters, would you say that it was a better experience or would it have been the same just at home? Uh, I think if you have like a decent home cinema, then it probably would be okay. Uh, well, not everyone has a decent home cinema, okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. If you have a, if you have a pretty good home cinema, then I'd Stop say saying so. home cinema. But it, it's like, I'm just being honest. <laughs> no, you're right, though. Like, it wasn't like, it's not something that's like earth shaking, you know, so you don't have to have like, you know, it doesn't have to be as huge and like, it's not it like a super overpower the senses kind of movie, but definitely it would help to have a better screen. But I would like... I mean, I'd rather watch it on a TV than a computer. Since the score is so pretty, I would say, like, 
pretty good sound system would be good. In your home cinema? In my home cinema. <laughs> no, I agree. I think there are some movies that are meant for the theater, and this one's not necessarily. No, I mean, no. it can be. It's not on streaming services right now, which is kind of weird. No. Uh, I think it'll probably go to Hulu or something, but no. we'll see about that. The title of this movie, what the heck is it? <laughs> it's a plant. It is a plant. And that was a rhetorical question. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> because I know what it is because yeah, I've seen the movie. Yeah, right, right. I actually, I saw it with you. Actually. Oh, did we you? We were sitting right next to each other. Really? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I was with my other... Wait, what? What? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Minari's a plant and the grandma plants it. Plant, plant. Plant, plant. And yeah, it's a sweet... That's a sweet title because like what else would you call this movie? Yeah, I don't know. Good to have one word title. Definitely. Yeah. Just like your album. Would Just you like, like my album. <laughs> Would you like to promote that? No, I don't do self-promotion. You can do it. Okay, well, <laughs> Mr. Tyler has an album. I have an album. And it's on all streaming services. It came out like two years ago, though, so... That's okay, though, because <laughs> it's still banger after banger. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's called Delft, and mm. his name is Ekblad. E-K-B-L-A-D. I thought you didn't do self-promotion. No, I don't. I was just clarifying. Oh, oh okay, but yes... <laughs> Find his music. It's really, really good. It's on all streaming platforms. It is. And follow him on Instagram. Yeah. Underscore Ekblad underscore. That's underscore E-K-B-L-A-D underscore. <laughs> Sounds like an infomercial. It is. And we haven't even gotten to ratings. Why are we promoting you yet? Oh, I don't know. I guess I haven't earned my dues. <laughs> no, you have not. Out of five stars, I'm going to give this movie, honestly, 4.5. I was going to say that. 4.5. Or maybe like 4.5. Seven five. Oh, I was gonna say like four point six three, about four point six three. Okay, yeah. I'll go with four point five just to be a little less confusing okay. to the audience. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, I don't know if we're at your math skills yet. Oh right. But yeah, yeah I think I would give this a four point five because really, like you said, it is flawless. And it's just not my favorite movie on earth, obviously, so that's not getting a five. Yeah, exactly. But I really, really respect it, and I love everything about it, and I couldn't recommend it enough. We really didn't spoil anything. Go uh, us. I don't think so. Don't High think five. So. It's not as good as Peabody and Sherman, but, like, it's pretty good. I thought. <laughs> or Crudes too. Oh, my. Crudes too. It's like... Your dad's favorite movie of all time. Well, yeah, that. My dad's favorite movie of all time. But it's also just like, I think it's the defining film of our generation, honestly. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. It, no, it's actually like ironically pretty good. Okay. Is it as good as Minari? Uh, no. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. I'd say the performances are about as gut-wrenching, I'd oh, say. Oh, sure. I'm sure. <laughs> well, so your rating was what? Uh, 4.63. And why is that? Uh, probably the same as you. Uh, it was just... I mean, yeah, it was flawless. Yeah, just like you said, I feel like I'm just repeating you. But yeah, it wasn't like my favorite movie of all time. And I, my mind wasn't like blown or anything. But I was like, well, that was really good. And I think the point isn't to blow your mind. It's no. supposed to be like a very honest portrait. It's very subtle. Yeah, there's another A24 movie called Menashe that's about an Orthodox Jewish guy that's like kind of this sim a similar vibe. It's like, really? yeah, very naturalistic, kind of just like, a story, a simple story, just more focused on like culture and and stuff like that, and it kind of left me feeling the same way. I think Minari was probably better than Minashi, though. Well, that's a cool comparison, considering they kind of have similar names. Yeah, that's true, and they are both kind of focused on just different cultures, um, and also they have they both have strong child actors. So that wraps up our Minari conversation. It does. Do you have anything else you want to say besides more self-promo? No, just live, laugh, love. That's my name. Oh, yeah. I didn't think of that. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for listening. Follow us on Instagram at Strange Love. But especially me. 
Hello. <laughs> Hello. At Strange Love of Movies Pod and whatever yours is. <laughs> underscore Ekblad underscore. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and we hope you enjoyed our conversation about Minari. Let us know if you want Tyler back on the pod. Or if you don't, <laughs> either way, let us know. We love the criticism. Mm-hmm. And Just be nice, okay? I'm sensitive. He's a sensitive boy. <laughs> and thanks for listening. Have a Minari good day. <laughs> Ew. That was not... Okay, I was kissing the viewers goodbye. Don't get any wrong ideas. <laughs> and have a great day. Have a great day. Yeah. Have a good day. Have a good day. Okay, guys, you thought that we were done with this Minari podcast, but we are back with the parentals. Oscar and Emily Martinez, my two normal co-hosts, are here, and they just recently saw Minari, and I wanted to get their input on the movie, too, because they probably have a lot of great things to say. So, parents? (laughs) I liked the movie because I thought it told a story that wasn't told very often, at least from the Asian perspective. It was inspiring to see this family struggle to rise after immigrating to the United States, and they were trying to take every opportunity possible to make life better for their children. It was sad, but it was also touching, and you really felt like you could understand where the parents were coming Mm -hmm. from, both the mother and the father, who were opposing each other at various times. I agree. I thought it was very heartfelt. It was very moving and it was very um, emblematic of a lot of people's experiences coming to this country. And I'm not just saying that because my parents did that many years ago. Shout out to the folks. Um, But it was very real. It was the the struggles of the day to day. Nothing too dramatic happened. And nothing too too glamorous either. Right. No, not at all. They're in Arkansas in the middle of nowhere and not even near a, a big, big town or big city. And the struggle was really real because the struggle was real you know yeah it really was and and you think he's going to this factory to run it or something and essentially he's just checking the sex of the chickens you know the chicks right male or female and it's pretty humbling but the dad conveys this very well that he's pretty confident in what he wants to achieve and if that's a means to an end working in that job in order to become a farmer and raise the vegetables whatever his plan is He's going to do it, and he's going to take care of his family. And you said the farmhand, he was, he's a famous actor, right? Yes, Will Patton. I thought in some ways he stole the show because he could have easily been a stereotype of this, you know, hick from the sticks and, and ultra-religious guy. But he, uh, you could tell he'd been through some things, right? And he wasn't quite normal, but he wasn't, he's a nice guy. And, and he helped him out. He helped him out in a big way. And, and his religion seemed real. You know, it didn't seem like a phony pretense. And it also wasn't a parody or anything like that. It all just seemed very realistic. And one thing that really stuck with me was, I think the movie showed how close to the edge so many people live their lives financially. And this is why the movie couldn't, I think anybody could relate to the movie, not just recent immigrants. Because this family wasn't taking any outrageous chances and they were budgeting their money carefully. But just one little thing happens here and another thing there and suddenly they're wiped out. Everything they have is, is gone. And again, it's not 
really a result of anything dumb they did Mm -hmm. or foolish. It's just because they're just getting by. And again, I think the fact that they were Christians is an important part of the movie because I think it was partly their faith and the faith of this man who worked for them mm-hmm. that helped them stay strong. And that constant stress that they had with little David. Didn't y'all think he was the cutest? He was oh. adorable. But that constant stress that they had with his heart issues and how close they were with to the hospital. I mean, heart problems are expensive, obviously. And getting to the hospital in time. And just, there was a lot of stress on this family. And picking up where you, you left off, Emily, the drama that was inherent in the entire film... Because you, sh- you could see his money. He had all this cash. You could tell they'd been saving to buy a tractor. They'd been saving probably to buy that mobile home. They'd been saving to buy that plot of land. And you think, oh, no, someone's going to go in there and rob them or someone's going to be mean to them. And you don't really see that in, in the film at all, mm-hmm. which is interesting because I think people are generally good-hearted and the neighbors, I don't know if you could say they embraced them, but certainly at the church they did. They welcomed them and they showed those scenes that people were being very curious and if you see it one way, it could be very racist. But if you see it another, they're just really curious. They hadn't seen uh, a Korean family before. And, and they, they got along, especially as a little kid. Everybody seemed to like him very much. But there's enough drama there, you know, in real life without somebody waving a gun or doing something bad to them because of their, um, their race and their ethnicity, you know. That's what's so cool about it. And after I saw it, y'all were just kind of like, do you want to give us a brief summary of what it is? Because I had no idea what the movie was going into it. And I really couldn't summarize it. I was like, it's about a Korean family or starting a farm. And that doesn't sound like the most exciting thing in the world. And this movie's not the most exciting thing in the world, but it's entertaining and it's heartfelt and it means a lot. And do you all have anything else to say or do you want to rate it really fast? Well, the only thing I'd add was the performances were really well done and not just by the cute, adorable little kid. But that grandmother was a trip. She's not expecting, you're not expect you expect her to be very traditional, knows how to cook and very nurturing. She is not. She's all about tough love, and that kind of helps him, I think, the little boy. And they end up getting along, but at first it doesn't seem that way. And I think the, the wife, you can tell she was struggling too, and she did a real good job. of. You can tell she loves him, but uh, she's been through this before, yeah. and it just exasperated with him. And when's he going to quit? And, and his answer is essentially never, you know, because he wants a better life for himself and his family. So It's so tough, and the acting is so good. And I don't think I mentioned this before, but this movie's actually based on the director... The writer-director's real life. He has a sister and his two parents, and they lived, I think, in Oklahoma? Or I don't know. It wasn't, I mean, totally factual, but still. It's kind of cool that it was based on his real life. And I wonder what his family thinks about it. I don't know. (laughs) So, on to ratings real fast. What would y'all give it? I think I'd give it a three and a half. I thought it it was a really good movie, really well acted and, and directed and good story it did move a little slowly so I guess I probably wouldn't give it much higher than that but I did think it was very good yeah I think I'd give it a three and a half too that's it I think so yeah (laughs) for the same reasons too because it reminded me of films that they used to make a lot if that makes any sense like back in the 80s or 90s heavy duty dramas and 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 yet it wasn't they've learned since then not to overact or not to overplay their hands or they would have had a dramatic scene with somebody waving a gun or something, you know just to add the drama element so you got to respect the restraint of the film that they trusted the story to and and it's it's a personal story and it comes across that way and and uh, they, they did a good job but again it is a little slow 
And if you're not in the mood, uh, you won't you won't care for it. I don't think. But really, I don't think so. That's interesting. I I feel like it's more accessible than you would expect. I think that when people see maybe the trailer for this movie or just read the synopsis, they may not want to see it because they think uh, it's slow or arty or whatever. But I think it's fairly easy to digest, in my opinion. I agree with that. I don't think it's hard to follow. And like I said, I I think really anybody could relate to the family and the story and their struggles. But it could be kind of hard to maybe get invested for some people. I'm not sure. The same thing we credit it for, restraint, might also be what makes some people not care for it as much because there isn't that really dramatic scene. You're not really pushed to tears at any moment. True. That's a great point. Well, on that note, we're going to be ending our Minari podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed our guest commentary, Tyler Heaton, and I hope that you enjoyed the regular cruise commentary. We will see you all next time. Thanks for listening to the Minari podcast. Bye.